Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another Baseball America Top 10 Podcast. Though you may have noticed, I'm not the usual host of these. So a little introduction to myself. I'm Savannah McCann, the content producer here at Baseball America. I'm the author of the Nats chapter for the Prospect Handbook, but enough about me, because today we are breaking down the Chicago Cubs farm system. And to do that, we're joined by a familiar face, Kyle Glazer. So let's flip the script here. And Kyle, I'm here to pick your brain today. Hey, Savannah. It's definitely a bit of a role reversal here, but uh, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. I think so. We're, we have a good rhythm going on here. And I mean, I think it should be easy to talk about the Cubs system. You just finished their chapter for the Prospect Handbook, correct? Yeah. So this was my fourth year doing the Cubs system. And this was probably the most promising year in terms of the caliber of prospects I was writing up. I think what really stands out about the Cubs organization as a whole is they're trending up pretty quickly. You go back to 2021 when they traded away Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez at the trade deadline, along with a bunch of others. It was kind of the end of really the, the most successful run in franchise history since the early 1900s. And it felt like it would take a little while for them to bounce back up, just rebuild the farm system, rebuild on the international signings and draft side, as well as, you know, maybe some of these young prospects they traded for would take some time for them to bounce back up. And the Cubs have really expedited that process. It's been really, really impressive seeing how many of their players are getting better and progressing really at every level. They had a winning record in the majors last year, and really we saw a lot of their homegrown players continue to get better and achieve heights that frankly exceeded expectations. You look at Christopher Morrell having a 20 homer season. You look at Justin Steele contending for the NL Cy Young Award. I mean, those are two outcomes I don't think anyone saw happening. We saw guys like Sei Suzuki. He took a step forward his second year over from Japan. Nico Horner continuing to progress. And the Cubs fixed Cody Bellinger, which I'll tell you, after being in LA for years and watching how badly he had fallen, I didn't think it was possible. So I think we saw the Cubs do a really good job of helping guys get better in the majors. And that filtered down to the minors as well. Um, as I was writing up this system, what just stood out was almost all of their top guys progressed as hoped or better. And, and I can tell you, having been here at BA for seven, eight years now, that doesn't happen. You know, normally you have a couple of guys who've progressed upwards, a couple of guys who've stagnated, a couple of guys who've fallen back. It, it was really impressive. I think what you take away from this is the Cubs have put together a player development apparatus that is effective at helping guys progress and get better, both on the position player side and the pitching side. And the latter is really important because the Cubs' inability to develop starting pitching in particular has been the organization's bugaboo for over a decade. But we saw Justin Steele kind of end that as really their first successful homegrown arm since Jeff Samarja and how many of their pitchers are progressing in the minors. There's a lot to like here about the trajectory the Cubs are on, really top to bottom throughout the organization. Well, let's start at the top here. Pete Crow Armstrong, he's the number one prospect in this system. He earned his major league call-up in September. So Chicago kind of got a glimpse of who could be a future center fielder for them. 
Was there a lot of separation between him and the other people on this list, or is he a clear-cut number one prospect? Yeah, he was pretty much the clear-cut number one prospect going through the season as I did my reporting throughout the year and at the end of the year talking to evaluators both inside and outside the organization. He came up for a cameo in September, didn't get a ton of at-bats, but we saw him mainly being used in kind of a pinch hitter defensive replacement role, which again is a perfect kind of landing runway into the major leagues. Uh, First and foremost, the defense is spectacular. He is a joy to watch play center field. Just if you're a baseball purist like me, you just, it's, it's gorgeous. I mean, that's the best way I can say it. It's, he plays a gorgeous center field and it's just really, really enjoyable to watch uh, the way he moves, the way he reads and react to reacts to balls, uh, his ability to go get it. Even his routine, the routine fly balls. It just, it looks right. It looks beautiful. As weird as that sounds. Again, this is my baseball purist uh, kind of coming out here. Um, you know, he's, he's a fast, you know, plus runner, you know, can swipe bags for you. We've seen him consistently get better as a hitter year after year after year. I remember coming out of high school, I wrote him up out here in Southern California. There was a good sense he'd, he'd make contact, control the strike zone, you know, not chase too much. But there was a question about impact. It was probably, you know, something where you would see moderate average, not a lot of power. And there was some question about the overall impact. But he's continued to get stronger every year. He's continued to hit for more and more power. Um, his home runs keep increasing every year. His exit velocities keep increasing every year. Now, he doesn't project to be a slugger by any means. Someone asked if he was the next Cody Bellinger hitting 30, 40 bombs a year. The answer is no. But, I mean, we saw him get to 20 homers for the first time last year uh, between double A, triple A. I mean, you're looking at a guy who should hit 280 plus, you know, 15 to 18 homers, 20 plus stolen bases while playing a gold glove caliber center field. That's a really good player. Uh, the Cubs internally compare him to Jacoby Ellsbury, not the 33 home run season Jacoby Ellsbury, but the, you know, again, the more moderate power. Um, so I think you've just got a really, really good player who got to the major leagues. Cody Bellinger's a free agent. Pico Armstrong, barring a surprise return from Bellinger, should be their open day center fielder next year. You look at both his overall ability and his proximity, he was pretty clearly the number one prospect in the system. Okay. And I think whenever you and I sat next to each other at the Futures game, you had mentioned to me, you were like, watch how he runs, watch how he does this. And I was like, okay, when somebody on the BA staff tells me, hey, watch how this guy does X skill, I know that they are like the prospect to watch. So I'm excited to hear that now Chicago will get to see him as much as we got to see him this season. Yeah, again, it's really the center field defense that's special. But again, it's not like he's just a great glove guy who you have to bat ninth in the order and you try and hide his bat and try and because the defense, you know, you live with it. He can hit. Um, again, he's got a really, really good feel for the zone. And I think the thing with him too is, so he comes from some high profile bloodlines. His mom and dad are both actors in Hollywood. His mom was the mom of uh, the lead character in the famous baseball movie, Little Big League, one of the baseball movies I grew up watching. Um, you know, grew up in the in, you know well-to-do area in LA, son of actors, but there's no attitude with this kid, no arrogance. He's, he's a confident kid, but he's a great teammate. He plays hard. He puts in the work. He's very coachable. He learns from his mistakes. He's very, very sharp. So I think you take into account all of the physical skills he has, and he's built right, to use a baseball cliche, you just have a lot of faith that he's going to continue making the adjustments. We've seen that every single year. He keeps getting better. He makes adjustments within at-bats. He makes adjustments over the course of the season. Um, he's able to play up to the level of competition. He finds what he needs to do, and he does it, no questions asked. It's just all there for him to be a really, really good big leaguer. And even if 
the bat falls short a little bit and maybe he's more 260 with 10 to 12 home runs, that's still a good player if he's giving you gold glove defense in center field and 20 steals. So I think there's a lot of confidence that he will be a good player and there's a chance for an all-star ceiling there who, you know, a guy who wins gold gloves every year. Well, we have another guy, the number two prospect in the system. He's the top-ranked pitcher, Kate Horton. He's someone that really shot up the rankings this year, right? Yeah, so it was kind of funny because last year when the Cubs drafted Kate Horton with the seventh overall pick, Cubs fans went bananas. They thought the Cubs had blown another top 10 pick. They were comparing him to Hayden Simpson, who was a fifth-round talent. The Cubs took 16th overall and predictably flamed out. And it was like, no, 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 no. Let's take a step back. You know, Cade Horton was a top two rounds caliber talent out of high school, but it was the short in 2020 draft. So, you know, there were bonus issues there. He was committed to Oklahoma to play both football and baseball. It was going to be a tough sign anyway. And he went to college and he was going to be a quarterback there as well as, you know, their standout pitcher, had Tommy John surgery, had to drop football came back as a third baseman and, and slowly worked his way on the mound and very understandably took a little while to find his bearings, find his rhythm, get his stuff and his command back. But we saw it really, really click during the postseason. The College World Series, he was, I mean, he was historically dominant. He struck out 13 batters against Ole Miss, a College World Series finals record, and really shot up the draft boards there. And when he was drafted seventh overall and signed to a below slot deal, a lot of Cubs fans like, oh my God, you know, we just blew another pick. It's like, no, the guy we saw at the end there might be who he really is. And if he really is that guy, this is a steal. And we saw that come to fruition here in his first full season, shot to double A. I mean, just was the talk. Really, I remember talking to staffers before the year, like, hey, Kate Horton should really be on your top 100. This guy's going to be a stud. And throughout the season, he just continued to climb, continued to progress. I think what was really impressive to see with him is, you knew the fastball and slider were going to be there. It's, you know, 94, 95, touch 98 with a six slider. We saw the curveball and changeup really jump in his first full season. Again, further away from Tommy John's surgery. So coming into the year, people said, hey, this could be a mid-rotation guy, power fastball, power slider. Third pitch is good enough. He'll be fine. Now he's got four pitches that are all average to above. And the command was better than expected, too, for a guy in his first full year off of Tommy John's surgery. There's a real sense this is a potential front of the rotation caliber arm here. I would say Pete Crow Armstrong was the clear cut number one, but Cade Horton was closer number one than he was to number three. He was the clear cut number two and really frankly has become one of the best pitching prospects in baseball in the eyes, not just of Cubs officials, but officials throughout baseball. Now, where would you put him on the top 100? Is he a top 100 prospect in baseball yet? Oh, or gosh. is he still improved? Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, over the course of the season last year, he rocketed up our top 100. He was in the top 25 by year's end. Um, I think if you were to stack up the top right-handed pitching prospects in the game, he'd be top five, possibly, and, and definitely top 10. Um, I think when the top 100 comes out, he's a slam dunk to be in the top 50 and has a chance to be in the top 25. Okay, we'll have to keep a lookout for that when Baseball America publishes their top 100. But we're going to take a very quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the rest of the farm system. We talked about for one and two prospects, but we have plenty more to get to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the smell of the leftover tuna fish sandwich you left in your lunchbox over the weekend in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? Hefty Ultra Strong has Arm & Hammer with continuous odor control, so no matter what's inside your trash... Hmm. You can stay one step ahead of Stinky. And for bigger jobs, try the superior strength of hefty large black bags. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So we've talked about the top two prospects in the Cubs system, but now, Kyle, let's talk number three, Matt Shaw, all the way down to number 10, Jackson Ferris. Which prospects should we be keeping an eye on? Yeah, so it was interesting putting this list together uh, again, watching these guys throughout the year, gathering feedback from officials both inside and outside the Cubs organization, you know, top scouts with a great track record of being right. And Pete Armstrong and Kate Horton were pretty clearly numbers one and two. Then there was kind of a jumble. Um, you get into this like three to seven range. There's a lot of different ways you can order it. And in a good way, sometimes you have a jumble because it's a bunch of guys you don't think are that great or have really big wards and just not sure about all of them. This isn't that. This is a jumble of three to seven because all these guys are pretty good. Now they have things to work on, but you can see a scenario where any of them become the best future big leaguer of this group. And and in that sense, being a above average to maybe plus kind of player in the big leagues. Um, there's a really good group of outfielders here. You look at Kevin Alcantara, you look at Owen Casey, you have infielders like Matt Shaw, who was their first round pick last year, shot to double A, Moises Ballesteros, a 19-year-old who's really, really, really advanced as a hitter, um, needs to work on his fitness, Tremaine a catcher. But, you know, all these guys have things to work on. Again, Owen Casey has some strikeout issues. Kevin Alcantara's swing can get a little long because he's 6'6", with super long levers, built like a basketball player, kind of a beanpole. Um you know, by Steros positionally, you know, Shaw, really, really good debut. The Cubs would like to see him tighten up the strike zone and discipline a little more. So all these guys have things to work on. But 
they've all, for the most part, performed up through double A and large part because of these guys, plus Kate Horton, double A Tennessee won its first outright Southern league championship last year in 46 years. And it was because of this group. Uh, you look at the Cubs double A roster at the end of the year, when all these guys had come up there, it was one of the most talented rosters in the minor leagues. And, and these guys were the core of that. So um, you look at that and you just see a lot of potential there. Jordan Wicks, who was a first rounder two years ago, got to the majors, pitched well for the Cubs down the stretch. We talk about Cubs pitching development again. That's something that had been a disaster for a long, long, long time. You're seeing Justin Steele get to the majors and turn into a Cyan candidate. You're seeing Cade Horton take massive steps forward in his first year, become one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. You're seeing Jordan Wicks get to the majors two years after he was drafted and pitching well in a pennant race situation. These are things that didn't used to happen for the Cubs. It used to be, oh, they have a pitching prospect, you know, T minus till we realize he's a bust. It, it just was kind of a fact of life. That's not the case anymore. And, and Craig Breslow was a big reason why that happened. He's gone. He's now the Red Sox GM. So we have to see if the Cubs can maintain it, but the infrastructure is in place. And I think that's really, really promising. So this three to seven group look, if you wanted to say, oh, Kevin Alcantara should be at the top because he has the most upside of all of them. Or if you said Jordan Wick should be at the top because he's pitching in the majors and, and performing well, you know, all those arguments are valid. It would not surprise me if any of these guys three to seven, when we look back 10 years from now, it's like, oh, OK, in retrospect, that was the third best guy. They're all capable of it. And that is like the best problem have is your one through seven guys are all talented could all have really playable long careers in the majors but I guess the other good problem to have is where do you rank the Cubs in terms of a farm system how does their development now turn into where they rank among all the other teams yeah and the depth goes beyond even this group which we'll talk about here in a second but I mean when you look at both the top end talent and the depth of this system I do think this is a top 10 farm system in baseball. Again, whether they're number six versus number eight, we're going to have to kind of take a step back, assess the state of all the other farm systems and kind of stack them up against each other. That's a bit of a process, but I'll say this. When I first started doing the system a few years ago, you were scratching to try and find a good number 23, 24 prospect. I mean, you were, we were writing up guys. It's like, you know, this guy isn't really good. He's not going to make it, but we have 30 slots we have to fill out. So you write it and point to the one thing he does sort of well and bank on maybe that might help him get to the majors for 10 at bats or five innings in his career at some point. Um, now, you know, I wrote up 30 guys and, and you go 35 deep and it's guys who have something to like, who have performed, have a tool, ha have some attribute that that is something that could help get them to the majors. And, and you know, with that, so many of these guys popped at all levels. You had guys like Jefferson Rojas, who's an international signing, we'll get to in a second, who really excelled at low A. You also have a guy like Luis Vasquez, who frankly didn't do much of anything for five years. He was a good defender. He couldn't hit a lick. All of a sudden, he blossoms at AAA. So, I mean, we're seeing guys get better at every level. It's not like, oh, it's just at you know the lower levels or it's just in the upper levels, but there's a weakness. Top to bottom throughout the system, Guys continue to get better, and that doesn't mean it's been perfect. You know, Christian Hernandez, a big international signing, has not panned out. Um, a lot of guys who are former top prospects, Brennan Davis and Braylon Marquez, injuries have just sidetracked them. Ed Howard, a first-round pick, you know, had a bad hip injury, hasn't hit. So, again, no farm system ever is, you know, that's a 1,000. But 
the overall result is, yeah, the Cubs, for the most part, these guys are progressing, getting better, and they're adding talent to the system. And, and that makes for a top 10 farm system when we project out what these guys project to be in the major leagues, which ultimately is what we're ranking here. And you mentioned somebody in that group, and I kind of want to dive in more on Jefferson Rojas' breakout prospect this year. He's number nine on this top 10. He had one of the most productive 18-year-old hitter seasons basically in a long time. What do the Cubs have in him? Yeah, so it's not like he was a nobody. He got a million dollars on the international market back in 2021. Certainly was was an interesting prospect, but was not you know a top, top guy. And he came out this year, and I actually started getting his name in extended spring training because he hit a bomb off of Zach Davies, um, who's a big leaguer. Mm-hmm. Very often from 17, 18-year-old international kids who are in their first spring stateside. Uh, he was you know showing a lot of power out there. Uh, played one game in the complex league, got promoted to Myrtle Beach, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in the minors, and held his own and seized the starting shortstop job over Christian Hernandez, who uh, got three times as much of a bonus as he did and was a much bigger international signing. So um, this is really a breakout year in a lot of ways for Jefferson Rojas, and the buzz started in extended spring training, lasted all the way through the year. Even the Cubs were surprised. They talked about they didn't see this coming. Um, he just assumed – in terms of what he projects to be, the good thing is he can absolutely play shortstop. You see the athleticism, you see the footwork, you see the arm. And in terms of you know the bat, there's a lot more impact there than was expected. Again, he was hitting bombs off of rehabbing big leaguers at 18, which you don't see very often. Um, went to Myrtle Beach. Again, the home run numbers were not great there, but no one's home run numbers are great in Myrtle Beach. You saw impact. You saw the ability to drive the ball. The biggest thing with him, as with all 18-year-olds, is okay, how does he develop as a pure hitter? Again, once he starts seeing better pitching, long run of a season. But in terms of what he shows now, he shows you everything you want to see. So, you know, when you talk about, okay, who's a guy on this list that we look up this time next year could be number one or two, who's going to rocket up this top 10. This is the guy you kind of look at potentially. Again, he's played half a season of low A ball. He's very, very young. We see these types of players can go a million different ways. But there's a lot to be excited about. He's shown you everything you could possibly want to see up through this point in his career. And if he continues on that track, this is someone who we could see rocket up this top 10 and and up the top 100. And that was my next question for you. Who are the guys to watch in this farm system? Almost sleeper picks of someone you think has the potential to then jump into the top five or even the top 100 of Baseball America's list. Yeah. You know, I, I do think Rojas, you know, in terms of guys in the top 10 is is someone to really, really keep an eye on here. Um, and, and Jackson Ferris, who in some ways is kind of his like his pitching counterpart, a little different. But Ferris was a second round pick uh, in last year's draft. Again, was it low A? It was a smaller sample, but um, really got a lot of buzz on the backfields during spring uh, extended spring training. I was hearing his name a lot as, hey, he looks like someone who could really pop came out to Myrtle Beach this year and and had some really, really dominant outings, had some others where the control wasn't where you wanted it to be, but you see the potential. Again, he's the kind of guy who he can miss his spots and still get you out. Uh, the stuff is just so good. Fastball, breaking the ball, very young. Again, not a lot of innings, needs to continue to build up, prove he's durable. There, there's a long road ahead here, but he's someone else that, again, if you told me a year or two from now, he's – you know, pumping 98 from the left side with a dirty curveball and his controls improved a little bit and he's holding over 120, 130 innings. 
and the stuff's playing. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. And, and that would put him in the top 100. So, I mean, that's the thing with the Cubs here, right? We talk about one through seven is, is really, really good. You know, you go down to eight, Ben Brown, that's someone who was on the verge of reaching the majors before he uh, suffered a, a poorly timed injury. And then two guys in the lower levels who, if you told me this time next year, they're not just in the top 100, but in the top half, the top 100, I could certainly see that scenario. Were there other players in contention for the top 10 here, or was it a pretty cut? These are the top 10 prospects in the Cubs system. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say it was pretty clear cut. While there is depth in this system, and, and certainly you like a lot of the players you're writing up really all the way down into the, the late 20s or beyond, um, I would say these 10 pretty clearly had a level of ability that was just a tier above the rest. Um, Alexander Canario, who we saw come up uh, last year, hit a grand slam for his first big league home run. That was a pretty cool moment against the Pirates. Um, you know, big, big, stupid power. I mean, he can hit a ball a mile. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of swing and miss there, and it's probably going to limit him more into that second division starter type who, you know, 220 with some power can play right field, maybe 230. So, again, a big leaguer, you know, a guy you get some power from, but but the overall impact is just limited because he's just a very, very aggressive swing goes through. He's very streaky. I should say there, there are moments where he controls the strike zone, but there's others where he's just kind of swinging and everything. So, um, you know, he kind of checked in just on the outside. You know, there's some other guys. Triantos is, is a really nice young hitter, um, has to find a position. Matt Mervis, who we saw come up, make his debut this year. Uh, just got a little rotational in his swing, um, you know, ha- has ability. You see bat speed, you see timing, but you know, he's a little bit older. He's, he's kind of got to prove it. Um, doesn't offer much defensively. So uh, again, I would say just more limited pathways to him making a major league impact. But again, it wouldn't shock me if he comes up next year, we see him make some swing adjustments and he's able to to produce and be a good player for the Cubs this year. So, there's certainly talent beyond the top 10. I would say this was a fairly clear cut top 10 group. Again, just, the level of ability that these guys in the top 10 have were just kind of a, a tier above. Okay. So if we're going to summarize what we've talked about here today, Cubs fans should be excited. They have a ton of prospects that are exciting to watch. They're excited to develop. And it seems like the Cubs are doing a better job at developing prospects, especially pitching prospects, right? Yeah. I mean, they've always done a good job with position player prospects, but, but the position prospects uh the pitching prospects excuse me have long been an issue and it appears that's been solved and of course the biggest addition of all here we have to talk about craig council getting him for his five years 40 million dollars you're now taking a really good team in the majors you know they won 83 games last year with a lot of guys taking steps forward a lot of young guys coming up behind them who are ready to help supplement them with one of the best managers in the game it's a really, really, really good combination. I think that, you know, when the Cubs tore it all down in 2021, I had talked about this. Whenever we see teardowns like this, it takes four years minimum to get back to the postseason. That's just what it takes historically. The addition of the second wild card, again, had the potential to shorten that timeline we had to see, but the Cubs have positioned themselves for a rebound faster than, than I can recall in terms of the level to which they tore it down to the studs to how quickly they've gotten it back. And some of that is, you know, they've been willing to spend on free agents. Dansby Swanson was a great signing that really stabilized them. We talked about Bellinger on a one-year deal. Um, they brought in some pitchers. Jamison Tyone hasn't worked out, but they were willing to spend on Marcus Stroman. So, again, we, we're seeing them do a lot of 
things right. They're helping their guys get better internally. They're drafting and developing well. They're signing the right free agents. Um, it's just an organization that that is in a really good place. And, you know, the Cardinals have made some moves here, but but you look at the Brewers, depending on what they do, you know, they could be taking a step back next year. I mean, there's a very realistic chance the Cubs are contending for the NL Central next year, which really would just be a remarkable turnaround. I mean, you think about from trade deadline 2021 to potentially contending by 2024, that's a huge turnaround in two and a half, three years. And I think the Cubs have a lot to look forward to. Um, even if it doesn't quite click in 2024, by 2025, I expect this to be a really good contending team. I think that is the best place to leave it. So that'll do it for another Baseball America Top 10 Prospects podcast. Please leave a review, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you guys are listening to this. Please let us know how much you enjoy these Top 10 pod, these top ten pod, Prospects podcasts. See that time's fast. It is for a time- tongue twister. It gets me all the time. It's taken a lot of practice. Don't worry. Well, I'm gladly going to give this back to you, Kyle Glazer. I'm Savannah McCann. Thank you so much for tuning in. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Mike Rowe here with a radical idea. If you want to see more companies make more things in this country, buy more things from more companies who make things in this country. I refer in this case to the incredible t-shirts, sweatshirts, blue jeans, and more made by my friends at American Giant. Everything American Giant makes is made in the United States. And right now, you can take 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com slash Mike. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.